0: I'm going to read one more thing. Uh, Often we like to do two readings here, one from the Bible and one from not the Bible. This is a poem called The Invitation by George Herbert. Um, And I'm just reading the the first part of it. Come ye hither all whose taste is your waste. Whose taste is your waste. Save your cost and mend your fare. God is here prepared and dressed, and the feast God, in whom all dainties are. Dainties are little little delights, little treats. God, in whom all dainties are. Come ye hither all, whom wine doth define, naming you not to your good. Weep what ye have drunk amiss, and drink this, which before ye drink is blood. Come ye hither all, whom pain doth arraign, bringing all your sins to sight. Taste and fear not, God is here in this cheer, and on sin doth cast the fright. Come ye hither all, whom joy doth destroy, while ye graze without your bounds. Here is joy that drowneth quite your delight, as a flood the lower grounds." So um, might be a little hard to follow, but that last line, I just, just get that. Um, we're being invited, all of us. Joy destroys us. Whom joy doth destroy while ye graze without your bounds. Here is joy that drowneth quite your delight. So joy is drowning our delight. We have these little delights, these dainties, but joy is somehow destroying that. Um, Tim and I got into a debate uh, just a few days ago about whether I was like, I'm sick of preaching thematically. I'm sick of like thinking of a theme. And then trying to encapsulate that, like, so the theme is joy, and we're going to say everything there is to be said about joy, and you're going to understand joy completely, and you're going to feel joy all the time. Um, This one day is is, is when we're going to do it. And I was saying, like, that's part of the genius of this thing called the the liturgical year or the the lectionary where they give you readings um, so you don't have to decide it yourself, you don't have to figure it out. Because something like joy, the more you dig into it, the more you realize that you um, can't say everything there is to be said about it in one day and that um, there's virtually no part of the entire bible in the hebrew bible or the new testament that, testament that doesn't somehow relate to uh, some of these central things like joy or love peace um, the, uh, the, the work so the, so the interesting thing is this week I took a lectionary te- text like it was given to us by the calendar um, but it is all about joy so this is not the last word about joy but um, it's going to be focused on it um, when you hear the word joy when you when you hear uh, that that hallmark card word what what comes to mind what, like what, you, what you, what's the difference between joy and other things we might other synonyms for it, like like. Does anyone have an idea about what it is? You want to tell me, Eric? Uh, sometimes I think there's like appetites of things that we want, and that when we get them, then we're happy. But joy, to me, is something that's a bit deeper than the appetites. Mm. It's just kind of a, you know a foundational uh, happiness. Yeah. So some, but some. So like. Something that doesn't just skim the surface, but that touches more the whole, the whole person. Something like that. And Melissa, did you know? Anyone else? Is that is that good? Pretty good. Um, I, I was thinking about it, and like joy is this word that you know we sing like joy to the world, joyful, joyful. We adore thee. Um, by the way, has anyone seen that uh, Sister Act two, the movie? Yeah. The, the, the amazing scene at the end, where Laura, a young Lauren Hill is uh, singing, and they tell everyone to take off your choir robes, and Whoopi Goldberg is directing them. And they this amazing gospel version of "Joyful, Joyful," uh, we adore the just the tune of "Ode to Joy," and um, and then like these guys start coming out and rapping, and they're all dressed in like '90s hip-hop clothes, um, and it is joyful, um, but. Joy is this word that, for me at least, I said Hallmark, for me is like, um, sounds cheesy or sounds um, insincere. Um, It sounds like something that I wouldn't use to describe uh, something that's happened to me. Um, I was asking Tim the other night, I was like, because I I wanted to go out and get a beer and I couldn't go um, in the end. So I asked him the next day how it was and he was like, "It's it's all right, it's good. Is I ate, I think he said, and I and I was um, I was trying to imagine Tim Kim. For those of you who don't know Tim Kim, this won't be that funny. But I was trying to imagine Tim Kim being like, "Twas a joy, like the bar. It was it was joyful. Like I had a joyful time with my friends. Like my friends are joy. Like like there's so much joy in my life. Um, and and I I couldn't imagine that. I but I wouldn't say that either. I mean. The, but part of what we're trying to do here is like reclaim these old words that don't, we don't use. And joy is a religious word. Joy um, is a profoundly theological word. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the email, you can't really understand some of these central Christian concepts unless you um, uh, have some sense of what joy is. So for example, a central Christian concept is grace. The idea is that Um, uh, God gives God's self, God gives love and life um, to us, Uh, totally unmerited on on our part. Not the result of how great or beautiful or cool we are or how much we've worked on ourselves, but it's just freely given. The the word that we get grace from in Greek is charis. The word for joy is kara. Related, it's almost like they're two sides of one coin. So God, we receive grace, and what do we re- what do we experience? What's the receiving side of that? It's kara, it's joy, it's rejoicing, joy. Um, it's the word uh, gratitude in, in the Greek New Testament is eucharistis, like eucharistia, like when we do communion, that's the Eucharist. Um, that car in the in the middle is the same root. Um, and so gratitude and joy and uh, grace form this kind of cool triangle um, that I don't know if we, we always, I mean, I certainly don't always think of it that way. Um, so when, when I say like joy is at the center of things, um, what does God give? God gives us joy. Why does God give us joy? Because um, the, the Christian tradition says that... Um, God loves us and when when we love someone we want them to be joyful, we want them to be happy. Um, interesting corollary of that is like if we're supposed to love God, do we want God to be joyful? Can God experience joy? Um, so I want to just talk about Isaiah for a little second and then I want to um, open it up a little again for the conversation. Um, the book of Isaiah. What, so, I want to give a little background, but I also hate assuming, does anyone know much about the book of Isaiah? Like, what, what do we know about it? Can someone say something? I'm sorry, I'm just trying I'm just going to keep trying to get people to talk. <laughs> um, what is, what's, what's sort of like, what's it about? There's a lot of prophecies about the coming Yeah. Yeah, Christians have, that's how Christians have interpreted it. Yeah, exactly, the Messiah. So um, the, the, the. Christian interpretation, and, and Isaiah is all over the Gospels and Paul's epistles. It's been called the fifth gospel because Christians have found it so important. A lot of the words Jesus speaks and the, the scenarios he's in are fulfilling um, its people sort of interpreting. This is what Isaiah was talking about. This is what the prophets were talking about. Um, anything else? That's pretty dang good. So. Without getting too much into the, into the nitty gritty, it's, um, well, here, here's one thing, is that uh, skeptics of religion, myself included, often like to play gotcha, like, you know, gotcha journalism. Um, does Trump use that or just Sarah Palin say, gotcha, the gotcha media? Um, the gotcha media of the Bible are like, okay, you have these prophets, but now archeological evidence shows us that a lot of the things they're supposedly prophesying about the future. Well, these things were written after those things already happened, um, so it's kind of like debunking the the worth of the text. But if you look a little bit into what prophecy means in Judaism, it's not like in um, it's not simply the main part of it. I would I would suggest or I would posit is not predicting the future. It's not soothsaying. In fact, Isaiah talks about he kind of knocks he, he like criticizes soothsayers, people who are telling, like, this is how things are going to go. So the main point of, of what a prophet is, is doing is not to tell, the, they talk about the future, but that's not the main point. The main point is to talk about what's already going on and how people are sort of uh, off track, astray, and they're trying to get them back on track. Sometimes they talk about the bad things that are going to happen or they interpret the bad things that are happening right now. Um, But the main thing that a prophet is doing is sort of mediating between God and the people in the present to change the present um, with a view to a a future hope. So um, the problem in in Isaiah, so Isaiah is like full of all of these chapters, all of these chapters about not only how all the crap that's happening uh, uh, to the Jews is like uh, going to get worse, but it's also their fault. It's because they've been violating the covenant with God, the, the, the covenant of, like, you're my people, and we've got this great thing going. I'll, I'll look out for you. i got your back if you just worship me. They've been worshiping, worshiping false idols. They've been, um, uh, maybe more egregiously than that, they've been uh, letting their society become one of division um, between rich and poor. Uh, and they've tried to, um, so they sort of kind of distract themselves, you could say, um, with gold and fine things. Here's a quote from earlier in Isaiah Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. Don't hoard too many horses. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So these kind of two two main things God's pissed about. One is um, this accumulation of wealth, the neglect of the widow, the orphan, the poor. And then this other thing of like worshiping idols, trying to, um, with their own efforts, through their own hands, uh, manipulate. God, manipulate all of reality, burning incense, um, uh, building these things of gold and silver to get what they want, um, rather than worshiping true God, which is, um, which can't be kind of manipulated and coerced so that 's the problem in Isaiah. Um, now, what does that have to do with our lives I, I don't know. I think it has. I, I was thinking about all the problems in the world, like how they might map onto what was going on um, when Isaiah was written over these different time periods, and um, it's one of those things um, that if you start thinking of one problem and, and kind of like look for them, a whole bunch of other ones start spilling out. So there's all these uh, all these crazy things that in our world, like. Economic inequality um, that is uh, being exploited, um, the 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 fear and unsettledness of that is being exploited. You might say, um, the rise of the far right in Europe and in the U.S. Um, I was just thinking for any of you who naively be- believe that like progress is automatic and it just happens in a straight line. Um, I was thinking, you know. The Wiesel died yesterday, and it's always um, sobering to remember how recently the Holocaust was, like how there are people still alive who were in it. Um, And then to see the eeriness of the rise of these far-right groups even in Europe today, um, and the situations that are similar, the economic uh, uh, worry and fear, um, the appeal to xenophobia, and racism, As a sort of scapegoat, the rise of charismatic leaders who promise to make everything okay, um, make America great again. Um, By the way, we love Republican. If you're Republican, that's cool. We love you here. But uh, (laughs) I'm just going to lay my cards on the table. Um, uh, So there's all those things, right? There's like great progress in LGBT um, rights and acceptance, but then there's the sad truth that for too, too often, for too many people, um, to be gay means to live in fear. To be gay means to live in shame. Um, I could go on and on. There's, there's um, this weekend is often the wor- one of the worst weekends for violence in Chicago. Um, there is a lot to worry about. Um, and then here at Root & Branch, there's stuff to worry about. There's uh, the fact that people who we love, um, uh, some of you who are new may not love them yet, but I'm sure you would if you got to know them, but they're leaving. We have got, we've got like four or five really wonderful people, including Justin, who was up here, who are leaving this summer. We're young, we're rootless, ironically. Um, we're, we we have opened ourselves to relationships with one another. Um, and then, damn it, people leave, um, uh, and and that's what happens when you open yourself. Um, you get hurt, and there's stuff to worry about there. And I think whether it's conscious or not, that might trigger in some of us. I know it does in me. Um, these people are leaving. It, it triggers feelings of like, is this thing that I've found so much joy, uh, sustenance, support, um, this community, if if. We can lose people there if people can kind of um, follow, follow away. Is this thing as stable, as reliable as I thought? Is this thing um, going to always be there for me? Um, it reminds us of sort of the like ephemeral nature of of all the good stuff. So the question is: in the face of that. Um, and you could say, in the face of our complicity in a lot of this crap that's going on, in the face of our inaction, in the face of our um, participation in these systems of oppression, um, how are we supposed to feel joy? That's what's such a weird. That's what's so weird about Isaiah. It's like, you guys suck. Reality sucks. But rejoice. It's going to be okay. Um, and the connection between them is very, um, very hard to attribute a cause and effect. Something we can do. So um, let's see here. I already talked about that. OK, so it's, mis- it's mysterious to me how we get from point A to point B. I know a way that I try to get there is um, by uh, looking for something that I think is like joy, but I think it's very different, like maybe fun, or like distraction, or diversion. Um, So and this is is particular to me, maybe. Does anyone do the Enneagram? Does anyone know what that is? It's like this kind of cheesy new age, but also helpful thing. Tim hates it. Carrie loves it, right? Carrie's an eight. Um, I'm a 7, and so this might be, it's kind of like a way of figuring out, based on your personality type, what your particular strengths and weaknesses are, and supposedly like written in the cosmos and developed hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But anyways, I'm a type 7, and like our kind of cardinal vice is, um, is so the, the good thing is like we're the enthusiast, we, we have energy, we want to lift people up, we want to bring life into into the world, we want to have adventures. The sin, the dark shadow side is um, kind of driving yourself to always seek out new fun experiences or distractions. Um, ADD might be another way of putting it. Um, But I don't think that's limited to sevens. I think that's something maybe some of us here do. The way I do it, so, You can hear my son out there. Uh, I I have to wake up um, every night and feed him. He's starting. He's just starting. There is hope. But to feed him. And the shitty thing is um, that, for those of you who don't know, my my son was born about 10 months ago, and it was uh, both the most joyful and the most horrible day of my life. He was born with a brain injury, he was deprived of oxygen, and he's been diagnosed with um, cerebral palsy, which sounds really scary, and it is, Um, it's a thing that can happen. Um, But the really shitty thing uh, is um, not just what has happened, but what hasn't happened yet. We're waiting to see what he'll be able to do. We're not sure if he'll be able to talk or walk. we know he can poop really well, and we can know he can smile, and those things bring us joy, but there's a lot of uncertainty and fear. The other shitty thing is that he's being fed by a tube in his stomach, which is really great because it's allowing him to get enough to eat and grow, and he's growing, and that's really wonderful. But each time we do it, it takes about an hour. It takes a really long time, and when he wakes up at night, I've got the night feeding. Um, I'm not complaining, I get to sleep in, um, but, But it's um, I'm exhausted, and then all these stressful facts of his life are kind of kindled anew. Um, So what do I do? I watch TV. I have um, (laughs) you know an Apple TV, which has um, all the television you could ever want in your life. I've got HBO Go, Netflix, Hulu Plus. I have someone else's password for some of those, Um, and you know you can. Unlike just flipping through cable at night, you can kind of be like, "Oh, but it's good TV. We're in the golden era. We're in the golden age of television." There's The Sopranos. There's Game of Thrones. There's all these like, it's it's high art. It's literature. Um, and so I'm distract, but I'm distracting myself. And the the thing is, is that I think that this thing is going to make me feel better. I feel exhausted. I feel worried. I feel sad. But um, it's not just that it doesn't make me feel better. It's that I don't even enjoy it that much. I don't even. En- I'm like watching all of Crib Your Enthusiasm, and it is great. But, um, but I can tell that it's, I'm not even enjoying television on its own terms. So um, what has started happening, and I'm, I'm still just flirting with this, the, the lure of television is strong. But I've started trying to just sit there and not watch TV. And what's scary about that is that um, you have to sit with what you're, what's going on what's happening. Um, And you have to sit with your boredom, I'm like, oh my god, that's, like, sitting for 57 minutes, like, how boring. Um, And also, I don't know what I'm going to feel, I don't know what's going to happen. I I know with TV I'm going to watch something funny or interesting. Sitting by myself, I have no idea what's going to come up, what's going to bubble up. And. What bubbles up is often not so good. It doesn't feel so good. It's often a mixture of feeling the weight of the oppressiveness of what's happening, and also feeling kind of not good, so great things about myself, sort of some judgment. Like, why am I? Why am I distracting myself? Why am I being someone who's not fully present? Um, but what happens when I do that? When I do it successfully, is I start to want for the first time. I start to want. Um, not fun, not distraction, but joy. I was like, I just want to feel joyful. I want to feel gratitude. And then I start wanting that. This is a, started, sorry, this is a long phenomenology of my little experience, but I'm hope, I hope it'll be helpful. I start wanting that, and like, I don't feel it. I'm like, oh, I just want to feel good. I want to feel joy. I want to feel happy. I want to appreciate what this is. This is such a miracle. My son's a miracle. I just feel tired and distracted. And, and, um, and I start to. Want it so bad that it like hurts kind of um, and there's this sort of stretching out this gap between the joy I imagine I could feel and where I am and if I'm lucky, sometimes in this gap, uh, something comes to fill it. I don't know what it is, it's mysterious. Um, I would call it grace because it's kind of it usually comes in the moment when. I give up when I realize I can't make myself joyful. And that's I think the link to this text. God is showing the people of Israel and Judea, of Judah and Judah, like how far away they are from where they could be. And all this like wrath, this anger, and this this you suck, this is it's like kind of stretching out a space, a gap. Um, I think, so Jürgen Moltmann, one of my favorite theologians, says that the only way we can experience joy is when it comes as a surprise, when it's something that is unforeseen. The fact that we're loved, even though we're um, often so um, kind of uh, boringly, in a banal way, kind of crappy to each other and ourselves, the fact that we're loved. Should be a surprise. When you really feel the fact that um, my wife still loves me, even though I'm a grump and grouch every morning, that's a surprise. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and it brings me joy. <laughs> um, so um, it, we, al- we always get it backwards. We're like, if I try harder, if I, if I get better at this, um, then I'll feel. The love, I'll feel the gratitude. I'll be great. Um, it's actually usually the opposite. Um, it's the 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 judgment. The J. So here's a mnemonic device. J- I thought of this because <laughs> no one remembers anything you say. But um, joy has three letters. So there's J and O. There's the J. The like the, the junk. The the judgment. There's the O, there's the oppression, the, uh, the oppressed. I'm judged and oppressed. Um, and when you, when you touch the, the J and the O, um, you, you can maybe uh, get to the E, the like, yeah, the yes, the Y. The, um, and inexplicably, surprisingly, um, uh, the grace will come and the joy will meet it. Amen.